we've been on uh, a journey uh, this fall where we've been looking at our core values. Uh, we've been looking at our DNA uh, at Spruce Grove here. And we've been talking about thriving spiritually. We've been talking about building community. And we've been talking about reaching the loss. And today is kind of uh, the end of the series, uh, the culmination of the series. Of course, these themes will be found in our services throughout. Uh, and today does tie into Advent as we consider um, you know, that Christ has come to give hope. Today we're going to focus in on reaching the lost. And truly, had Christ not come, had Jesus not come and died on the cross for us, there would be no hope. And so as we talk about uh, uh, the call for Christ on our lives, we need to recognize that that call is really to bring hope to a lost and dying world. As we've been doing this, we've been uh, looking through the Gospel of Matthew. Uh, Matthew was written by the tax collector who became a follower of Christ, an eyewitness of all the accounts uh, here, and so one in whom has credibility and uh, one in whom we can trust. If you have your Bibles, turn with me to the book of Matthew, Matthew chapter 28, and we're going to read um, the uh, final words, in a sense, of Jesus' earthly ministry. Uh, these are of utmost importance as he brings a close to his ministry and he's speaking to his 11 disciples. Here now from God's word, Matthew 28, verse 16, reading from the English Standard Version. And now the 11 disciples went to Galilee, to the mountain to which Jesus had directed them. And when they saw him, they worshipped him, but some they doubted. And Jesus came and he said to them, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. Let's take a moment to pray and then we'll dive into this. Uh, Father, thank you uh, for this time here this morning. Thank you that we have an opportunity. It's truly a privilege that sometimes we take for granted that we can gather here, that we could open your word, that your spirit can lead and guide and teach us the truth, that we could be here together. Thank you, Lord, for this provision of grace and mercy. Uh, we are so fortunate. Thank you that we don't have to convince you this morning to be involved, uh, to speak to us. No, you're keenly interested in supporting those hearts are ho that are wholly yours. And so, so here we are. Help us, we pray, to set aside Our pride. Help us, we pray, to set aside our self-sufficiency. And help us to see you in all your glory. So speak to us, we pray. In the strong name of Jesus. Amen. And this is the culmination of Jesus' ministry. And... Uh, 
Up to now, he's been with his disciples physically. He's taught them. He's instructed them. He's pointed them uh, in the direction that they need to go. And now there's a bit of a transition that is happening. He speaks to his disciples, and he begins by saying, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. You see, when Jesus came and he died on the cross, when he was the perfect sacrifice, and that sacrifice was received by God the Father, when he conquered sin and death, God the Father gave to his Son all authority. Authority to uh, move and to accomplish the mission that he has given, uh, that he was given to uh, by the Father. Uh, you see, Jesus had authority to now accomplish that mission. He had served the justice of God, and now he was able to do that. And now he takes that authority and he extends it to you and to me. And he says to us, essentially, now you go. He says to us, you have authority to declare the gospel. You have authority to tell others about me, go. I have authority, I give it to you. Now I've shared this before and it bears repeating that authority without power is truly futility. Authority without power is truly futility. See, Jesus not only has the authority, and not only does he extend to us authority, he gives us the power to accomplish the mission that he calls us to do. In Acts chapter 1, verse 8, Jesus is on the Mount of Olives, and he's ascending up into the sky. His disciples are gathered, and they're watching him as he goes up into heaven to be seated at the right hand of the Father, and he says, now you, you will receive power. When the Holy Spirit comes upon you. You see, authority with power, now that, that is something to reckon with. You see, here Jesus has authority, but the power was coming when the Spirit would be released on the disciples. The power to do what Jesus has been called to do. And we have that same power. We have the power of the Holy Spirit to accomplish the goal that Jesus has, which is to go into all the world and make disciples of all nations. Friends, authority without power, it's futility. I remember hearing a, a, a speaker speak on this, and he, he was saying it's, it's much the same as a police officer. See, a police officer has authority when they get the badge to pull people over, to maintain law and order. The government gives police officers that authority. And so when the sirens go behind your car, Guess what? You pull over. Why? Because the police officer is pulling you over. He has the authority to do that. Right? But if a police officer doesn't have the power to back the authority, it's chaos. Right? If he doesn't have essentially a gun to accomplish the mission, which is to keep law and order, it's chaos. See, in the same way, Authority apart from power, it's, it's futility. See, Jesus has all authority when he died on the cross, when he conquered sin and death, when he rose from the grave. He has the authority. The Father gave it to him. And so he extends that authority to you and to me, and he gives it to us, and, he accomp- uh, uh, and accompanied to that is the power of the Holy Spirit. You will be my witnesses, both in Jerusalem and in Judea and Samaria and all the earth. 
All authority has been given to me, and so I give it to you. And so therefore, he says, based on this reality, he says, now, go. Go, therefore, and make disciples. Go, he says. This is such a simple command. And yet, it is so complex, isn't it? Go. See, Jesus is saying to his disciples that we need to go. Listen, nowhere in the Bible is the world or lost people called to come to church to to engage in the message of Christ. No, the church, you and I, disciples of Jesus Christ are called to go into all the world and preach the gospel. We need to be people who go. We need to be about the business of going. No one is excluded from this mandate to go. He says, go therefore and make disciples of all nations. We need to go and reach all people everywhere. Now, in one sense, we're doing it. We are accomplishing the goal and the mandate of the mission right here, right now. When Jesus was ascending up into the sky, he was at the Mount of Olives, and the disciples were gathered together, and he says, listen, you will receive power when the Spirit comes upon you, and you will be my witnesses both in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and the uttermost parts of the world. Now, from where Jesus geographically is standing, or not standing, as he's ascending up into the air on the Mount of Olives, listen, friends, we are the uttermost parts of the world. Amen? Make sense? In one sense, we don't have to go to the outermost parts of the world because we are in the outermost parts of the world. In one sense, we're accomplishing the mission. But friends, we can't just stay in the church and expect that the mission will be accomplished. No, Jesus calls us to go. Whether he calls us to go to our neighbors or to uh, uh, the, the person across the street, whether he calls us to speak to Spruce Grove or Parkland County or Stony Plain, he calls us to enter into mission With him. He calls us to go and to make disciples of all the nations. Jesus said to go into all the world. One of my favorite authors, a guy who has influenced me much, is this fellow right here. His name is Brother Andrew. Brother Andrew, I heard him speak at Mission Fest probably 15 years ago or thereabout. Early 2000, I think, if if my memory is correct. He was speaking at a conference in Toronto. It was called Mission Fest. I really didn't know much about Brother Andrew, and I didn't know who it was I was going to hear. Uh, I knew very little. I'll never forget, I brought a guy with me who was a new believer, and uh, we went to Mission Fest together, and Brother Andrew was up there. He wasn't a great orator. I mean, he kind of just stood at the pulpit and spoke fairly monotone. If you ever want to hear Brother Andrew, many of his sermons are found on the internet. You can do a YouTube search or a Google search, and you can listen to him. And as I said, he's, he's not that great of a speaker. Uh, maybe that's critical. <laughs> I heard a snicker and I went, oh, that might have sounded really harsh. And I didn't mean it to be harsh. But I, wanna, I just want my point to get across. I, I found out who he was. Brother Andrew is the fella who at a young age, uh, you know, turned his heart over to Christ and went, uh, went to Bible college in order to go and reach uh, all people everywhere with the gospel of Jesus Christ. Uh, he, he had such an incredible faith and was willing to be obedient irregardless of the circumstances. Uh, 
When he was at Bible school, he went behind the Iron Curtain with a youth rally event, and he brought a bunch of Bibles with him because he had been told that, that you can't hand Bibles out in the Iron Curtain in the Soviet Union. He brought a number of Bibles with him and wanted to test this theory that everyone was uh, saying. So he broke away from the group and uh, he went and he took his uh, handful of Bibles, whatever it was, and he tried giving out a Bible uh, in the native tongue to one of the locals. They received it and it went over quite well. And he thought, wow, this isn't so difficult. What were they talking about? He said, well, let me push the envelope a wee bit. And so he went down to the train station and distributed them kind of publicly and no issue. Everything seemed to go well. He thought to himself, well, let's take it up a notch. Let's go see the soldiers. Maybe there I'll get myself in trouble. He went and he found four soldiers who were standing outside the gate guarding and he gave them Bibles as well. No, never did he get in trouble. He walked away and he thought to himself, we've misunderstood this. He went home and determined to begin a mission to bring Bibles into the Soviet Union. And so he was called the Bible smuggler. You can pick up his book and read it. It is, it is inspiring to say the least. And so he would smuggle Bibles in over the border, fill up suit bags, suitcase bags, and carry them as if he was carrying nothing, get them past the border, and then, whoo, and then he'd hit them and hand them out. This was Brother Andrew. Brother Andrew had the famous prayer where he would say, Jesus, when your ministry was here on earth, you caused the blind to see. Now would you cause the seeing to be blind? He'd pull up to the border, and they would say to him, do you have anything to, cl- to declare? And he'd say, only what you see. <laughs> they would say, pop your trunk. He'd, they'd pop the trunk, and then they'd grab Bibles and go, huh, in their native tongue. No, it doesn't seem like there's any issue here. Carry on. That was Brother Andrew. He wrote his book called uh, Bible Smuggler, which you can pick up. I think our library has a copy, and if not, I mean, you can pick it up almost anywhere. This guy was unbelievable. When he wrote his book, his ministry changed because everyone knew about him and what he had done. It was no longer a ministry to the Soviet Union and to communist countries. It had to change. And so he sensed his direction changing, and God was calling him to the Middle East to reach Palestinians and those who were far from God. As he stood at that pulpit that day and, and shared with us, he told stories of, uh, of talking to uh, Palestinians who would soon uh, put a bomb attached to themselves. And he would tell them about the hope that they could find in Jesus Christ. I mean, it was an unbelievable, you know, he wasn't a, a great speaker, but oh, did you want to be near him because he knew God in a way that I could only aspire to. That was Brother Andrew. I'll never forget, as he spoke that day, a message that burned in my heart. He said that Jesus said, go into all the world. Go. He said, friends, I can get you into any country. You name it, I'll get you in. No problem. But, he said, I may not be able to get you out. But then he said this, Jesus said, go into all the world and preach the gospel. He doesn't say anything about coming home, about returning. I can still remember sitting there with my friend, this new convert, thinking, my lands, what have I brought him to as a new believer in Jesus Christ? And and quite seriously, myself, utterly shocked at what Brother Andrew was suggesting. I remember looking at him and going, his name was John. I remember going, John, like, can you believe this guy? Wow. 
See, Jesus says that the mission is so important. Go into all the world and make disciples of all people. Go and preach the gospel. Listen, friends, when we understand the, the, the reality of the life we live, if we understand life from an eternal perspective, when we understand eternity and the call of Christ, then we understand what it is that Jesus is saying and why it's so important. Listen, friends, Jesus is sending us into the whole world because the only hope for the world is Jesus Christ. Lost people matter to God. Lost people matter to God. He cares about lost people. People who have never heard his name, Jesus Christ cares about. He loves them. And there's a message for them as well. And so he says to you and to I, he says, listen, go into all the world and preach the gospel. Go and share the good news of Jesus Christ with all people everywhere. Go, he says. And listen, friends, no matter what you give up, it it, it doesn't compare. It will not compare with what Christ has for us. And when we consider eternity, that people are lost, that people, uh, apart from Jesus, will, will be eternally separated from God in a place called hell, when we consider the reality of life that we live in, when we consider the reality of the destiny of people, this mission, this call that Jesus gives to you and to I, it is of paramount importance. And that's why it's one of the last things that Jesus says. It's, it's that important that we understand that we need to go into all the world. We need to go. We need to go. Brother Andrew, he, he, he go into the worst places. I read a book that he wrote. It's called The Call. And he said whenever a war would break out, especially in the Middle East, he'd jump in his car because he lived in Europe. And he'd head there. He'd head there. And he said, you know, it, it was remarkable. There's never a lineup. <laughs> war breaks out. What's so remarkable about that? He said, there's never a lineup. And no one's trying to get in. He said, the only people trying to get in are, are who? The news agency. They're going there for fame and fortune. Right? He said, that's the only people going there. And so he said, I, I pull up to the, guard, the border guard, and they look at him and say, well, what are you doing? Do you know that war broke out here? Like, do you know that it's dangerous? He goes, yeah. Blessed are the peacemakers. Carry on. He said, get on the other side of the border, and there would be a ream of lines. Like, line, like line up beyond lineups, he said. <laughs> you would say, why don't the Christians go? They have nothing to lose. Everything to gain. Go into all the world and make disciples of all people, of all nations. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations. Matthew records are the words of Jesus. Make disciples of all nations. I love this. Our movement, the Christian Missionary Alliance, was birthed on missions. A.B. Simpson, the founder of the Christian Missionary Alliance, he, he believed in reaching all people. There's uh, two reasons uh, for it. One, um, lost people matter to God, and and the command is clear, go into all the world. And so, so he was, he, we got to go and preach the gospel. And not just the gospel to, to lost people, but to those who have not heard the least reached people groups. That, 
That was A.B. Simpson's school. I'm so encouraged that, uh, 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 not Randy, uh, Perry, Ray Perry, sorry, Randy's his brother. Uh, Ray and Cindy are going to Mexico to serve under the banner of Christian Missionary Alliance. Uh, he, he would love to be here preaching uh, this morning, but, but his commitments elsewhere wouldn't allow him to do so. And so the video is the second best option. He's going under the umbrella of the Christian Missionary Alliance. and Maybe you don't know uh, the tradition of Christian Missionary Alliance. It's, it's wonderful. It's all about going and, and, and preaching the gospel. And we, we have this thing called the Global Advance Fund. And maybe if you look at an envelope or if you've ever got an offering envelope, you see GAF. You're going, what's GAF? Why would I ever give to GAF? GAF is Global Advanced Fund. This is what helps our missionaries go and serve. And we don't call them missionaries in our fellowship because they go to such dangerous places. We call them international workers. And so they go and they serve abroad and they do exactly what Jesus is saying here. They go to make disciples of all people. And I, I think it's just fantastic. You see, we're not just called to, to, to go and, and, and do nice things for people. We're called to make disciples of all nations. And notice that it's all nations. The message of the gospel of Jesus Christ is for all people. It, it, it's not for a select number of people. It's for all people. See, our founder understood this. And the other reason that he was so big on on missions was because he wanted to hasten the return of Christ. When all had heard the gospel, then the return of Christ would happen. You see, it's the picture in Revelations that John has as he ascends up into heaven. He says, I saw every tongue, tribe, and nation seated at, I mean, bending their knee at the throne of the Lamb, singing, worthy is the Lamb. Worthy is the Lamb to receive all honor and uh, praise and adoration. See, every tongue, tribe, and nation need to hear the truth of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And we need to go. We need to go and declare and make disciples of all people everywhere. This is the mandate of Jesus Christ. And it's, as I said, it's his final words on his earthly ministry. This is imperative. Make disciples of all nations. And then notice, notice what he says next. He says, now baptize them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Make disciples and baptize them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Last night I was sitting on the couch and one of my boys was sitting next to me. And, and um, we, were, we, we haven't been talking about baptism really since Elijah had been baptized. And he looks at me and he says, Dad do I have to be baptized to go to heaven? I, I don't know why I asked that question. I, I, like I said, we hadn't, we hadn't really talked about it. I love it. I love the questions the kids have. Do, I have. do I have to be baptized to go to heaven? I was like, no. No, you don't. I mean, the, the thief on the cross who, who turned his heart towards Jesus, right, as he's on the cross, you know, Jesus looks at him and says, today you shall be with me in paradise. You know, baptism isn't a requirement for salvation. But I do think this, that in our attempt to make sure that everyone understands that salvation comes through faith and grace alone on the finished work of the cross of Jesus Christ, in our attempt to make sure that that is preeminent, we have downplayed the importance of baptism in our fellowship. Jesus says, go and make disciples of all people. 
This is the final, his final uh, words. I mean, he, after this, he doesn't say much else on his earthly ministry. Of all the things he could have said there, think of it. Go and make disciples of all people. I mean, he could have said anything. And make sure, right? make sure, whatever, fill in the blank. Make sure they do this or make sure they do that. and Make sure they do this. But he doesn't because there's an imperative here with baptism, Being baptized is of utmost importance to Jesus. And in our attempt to make sure that people understand that that salvation is an act and work of faith and grace and baptism is an outward expression of an inward work, we've we've separated, we've downplayed the importance of baptism for believers. We have. Yet Jesus... This is utmost importance to him. There's, there's something about baptism that is, that is really important, friends. It's so important. And, and it's not a tangible thing. It's not something that you can necessarily explain, but it's so important. That once you believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, once you've received his gift, that you are baptized See, the only prerequisite for baptism is believing. Baptism isn't a graduation ceremony. It's not something that, you know, you arrive at or, or when you, you show that you're serious or that you, you really understand and you're really following Jesus, then you get baptized. No. Believe and be baptized. When, when Peter preached on the steps, you just picture this. When he, when he preached on the steps, right, and, and 3,000 are added to the number and baptized, they were believed and they were baptized. Can you picture that? I mean, what would the river have looked like that day? 3,000 people going down. Can you, can you picture what that would have looked like? How awesome that would have been? Huh. You know, there's something that's so easy about baptism, isn't there? It's, it's so simple. Especially, especially in our day, you know, like, I mean, I don't know if you've ever been back here at our tank. We've got nice little steps that you get to climb into, and, and, and the water's pretty warm, generally speaking. I, I can think of a couple occasions where it's really cold. But generally speaking, it's pretty warm, and, and you know, there, there, there's a, you know, you get to stand back there, and there's a wall there, and whether or not you say words is not imperative, you don't have, to, you don't have to, to have this great speech beforehand. Some people like to, some people don't. That's not the issue. It's, it's just be baptized. And it, it's so simple. I mean, we're not, we're not getting the chainsaw out and going out to the lake and cutting a hole in the ice in the winter and baptizing. It, it's not that difficult. <laughs> you don't think that's funny. I do. <laughs> that would be something. I'd wear hip waders, I think, if I were doing the baptism. <laughs> it's pretty easy. But you know, historically, it's not that easy. It's not been that easy for baptism. There's something profoundly hard about baptism, isn't there, too? And I I don't quite understand. It's kind of like salvation. Salvation is so easy. What, truly, I just believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and I'll be saved? Are you kidding me? And yet it's so difficult. It's so hard. And people, people turn their back on Jesus Christ and say, I don't want that. Even today, some may be in our gathering 
who are hearing what Jesus has done and how by grace they can be saved, and they may say, no, not, no, not doing it. Baptism is the same thing. It's so simple. Really? Just walk down there, get in the water, sh- sh- done? It, it's so simple. And yet, it's something so difficult. I shared with the fellowship four or five years ago my journey in baptism, and maybe it bears a bit of repeating here this morning. I won't go into all the detail, but I didn't get baptized until I was 21, getting ready to go to seminary to become a pastor. Why? Because baptism is so easy and so difficult. I couldn't get over the hurdle. It was pride. I, I spiritualized it. I, I told everyone that, 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 uh, that uh, I didn't uh, get baptized because, uh, you know, I, I wasn't ready and I had all these things. And, and then when it came time to baptize, I was so embarrassed that I hadn't been baptized and now I'm going to go to seminary and be a, 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 a Baptist preacher. <laughs> that's funny. No, come on, that's funny. You got to come on now. That's funny. And so here I am. I think I was 21, 22 years old and hadn't been baptized and I'm, I'm going to Bible college with in the week and it's a Sunday I'm utterly embarrassed and so I go up to the the preacher and there was this river that was up north of town about an hour and the roads were terrible and I knew that and and so I planned I I, I planned because of pride I was I was embarrassed I didn't want people to know and so yeah I want to get baptized up north because it's a special river to me so I said <laughs> unbelievable, eh? And then I said this, and Jesus got baptized in a river, so I want to get baptized in a river. And I don't want to get baptized in the church, because when you get baptized in the church, how is that a public witness? No, no, we got to be outside in the public. And my, my pastor looked at me, and he said, no, 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 no. No, we're not going up there. No one will come. And I thought, exactly. <laughs> No, 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 no. We're going to get baptized. You bet. We're going to get baptized. You, yeah, out in public. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We're doing it at the beach in town. <laughs> yeah, at the beach in town. Really? Like, what? <laughs> Seriously? <laughs> but I was cornered. I had to follow through. And so guess what? Guess who's getting baptized at the beach in town on a Sunday when the, when the beach is packed with community? Everyone knew who I was. It was a small town. My dad was the vice principal at the high school. Everyone knew Scott Buck. And to make things worse, right? To make things worse, uh, some saint in the church, beautiful saint, made these white gowns for us to get baptized in. (laughs) But they didn't make a white gown for a guy my size. As buffed as I am. Now that was not a joke. You're not supposed to laugh there. So the shoulders were too tight. You can picture me. I'm walking around like this. It was way too small for me. I got a little bit of a belly. So what happens? The front of the gown's a little higher than the back of the gown. I'm standing at the beach. Not in front of just the church. I'm standing in front of the whole community. And what do they do? They bring a pulpit out. They bring a a loudspeaker and a microphone. And we're going to give testimonies. Everyone's like, what's going on over there? There's five of us. Look at those those guys in those white robes. Let's go check it out. The crowd grew. And I'm going, oh, Lord, have mercy on me. (laughs) And so I got baptized. Friends, I know how how easy baptism is and how hard it is. I understand the battle. I've fought and lost and fought and won by the grace of God, by the work of Jesus Christ who reveals to me my brokenness and sinfulness, my selfishness. See, 
Baptism is so important. It is imperative that, that we get baptized. It's an act of obedience. Jesus calls us to get baptized. He's modeled baptism for us. He calls us to walk through the waters of baptism. Believe and be baptized. And so, friends... Here in his final words, he says, Therefore, make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Baptism is critical. It's of utmost importance that we, well, that we follow through and are obedient to the call of Christ. There's something about baptism that is, that is imperative in our walk with Jesus. I would encourage you, if you've never walked through the waters of baptism, that you, would, that you would drive the stake down in the ground right here, right now, and say, I'm getting it done. Friends, that you would, you would determine to walk through the waters of baptism. Listen to me. Jesus will walk with you. Jesus will give you what you need to, to accomplish the goal that he set before you. Jesus is enough. He will help you submit and yield to Jesus. He will do it. He will, he will be more than enough. And when it's done, when you've walked through the waters of baptism, friends, listen, you will not regret it. You will not regret it. Jesus says to his disciples, he says, go into all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Friends, it's so easy, and yet it's so difficult. But we do live in a privileged uh, country, and it is far easier here and now than anywhere else. Far easier. I was reflecting on this reality in our, in our country. And if you talk to those who have served overseas in countries that are hostile to the Christian message, listen, there's something about, the, uh, about professing Jesus Christ. You, you will typically lose your family, your tribe. You will lose your place and standing in your, in your immediate community for professing Christ. When you walk through the waters of baptism... Your life could be on the line in some of these places. There's something profound about it. Jesus says, go into all the world. Go to all nations. Make disciples of all nations. And baptize them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Friends, I urge you to get baptized if you haven't. Walk through the waters of baptism. I or one of the other pastors or trusted friends or family, they'll walk with you, I assure you. We will. And we want to see uh, you walk through the waters in obedience to Christ. He then goes on to say this, teach them to observe all that I have commanded. He says, so don't just, don't just you know, uh, kind of come in and, and teach them, he says. And so we teach and we seek to, to, to teach the full counsel of God. We seek to allow God's word to permeate every aspect of our lives. And so often it's easy to just stick with the easy things. It's easy to stick with the things that are, are easy to listen to. And, and, and we all kind of go rah, rah, feels good. But Jesus says, no, no, you teach them to observe all that I've commanded you. And so we need to be faithful with God's word. We need to talk about the hard things and the difficult issues, the things that no one wants to talk about. We need to stand up with gentleness and with, and with kindness and with love and say, this is what the, the Lord is saying. This is the direction we need to go in. And so there needs to be a teaching component that we need to help those who are following Jesus to observe. And then he says this, and behold, I am with you always, even to the ends of the age. I, I love that. It's full circle, isn't it? 
Go into all the world and preach the gospel. Lo, I am with you. No matter where you go, I'm with you. I love that. Friends, it doesn't matter where you go to declare the gospel, whether it's to your next door neighbor, to a family member, whether it's to a friend, or to the stranger who lives across the street, or whether it's to a community like Spruce Grove or Stony Plain or Alberta or Canada, as we go to make disciples of all people, whether we stand before people who are really difficult and scare us or people who uh, uh, can't hear quick enough the message of the gospel of Jesus Christ, irregardless, here's the promise of God that, 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 that Jesus is with us always to the ends of the earth. He will never leave us. He will never forsake us. He will never not be with us. As I was thinking about this, I was reminded of the famous missionary David Livingston. David Livingston said, God, this was his prayer, God, send me anywhere, only go with me. Lay any burden on me, only sustain me. Sever any tie in my heart except the tie that binds my heart to yours. This, this is the prayer of David Livingston. David Livingston has a, has a special place in my heart because as I served in Africa for whatever many times, Livingston was the one who had opened up interior Africa. Livingston is still popular there. He's the one who named Victoria Falls. Livingston was three things. He was a physician, and so he sought to help people with medical issues. More than that, he wasn't just a physician. He was also an explorer. His goal was to end the slave trade and to stop it from continuing to excel. He wanted to open up the interior Africa in order to stop the trading of people. And then thirdly, he also went to preach the gospel and to declare the good news of Jesus Christ. He's such a hero of the faith, you know, he... So much was unknown about Africa. Yes, the, the shoreline was uh, colonized, but the interior, no one would ever go in. Livingston, he had such courage and strength and faith. He, he went in, and he opened it up. Livingston is known for staring down lions. Can you imagine that? If you read his biography, and I encourage you to do it, read his biography, and, and you'll read about how as they would cross uh, uh, the plains of Africa, lions, he'd stare them down. <laughs> That's wild. There was a village that he, had, he was staying in, and, and there was a lion that was harassing the villagers. What I mean by that is killing people. And so Livingston uh, said, let's stop this lion. They knew where the lion was. He was in a thicket, and he had had enough experience with lions. He knew that if you face them and don't turn your back, that, that if you can keep them on the defense, if you can take care of the lion. Can you imagine this? This is Livingston. He convinces the men of the village to join him uh, to, to stop this lion from killing the people in the village. And he says, listen, so they get their spears. I think one guy had, had a gun, just one gun, and, and bullets were precious. And so they, they, they push him through the thicket, and they're supposed to make this circle around this, is what the, the, around this lion. And then they're supposed to kind of slowly move in. As long as no one breaks the circle, everyone will be okay. So your life is dependent on the guy next to you, the guy across from you. You're dependent on each other. 
Well, two guys, <laughs> they broke the circle. And the lion dashed through. There's a picture, if you do a, a Google search on David Livingston, you'll see a, there's a picture where the lion had gotten a hold of David Livingston and had uh, shaked him like a rag doll and crushed him. He always walked around bearing that wound. That was David Livingston. Lions are scary. I remember with my wife when we went to Africa, we decided we'd been married a month and, and we decided we'll go on one of these lion night rides into the park. And so this would be cool, you know. We'll go see. Unbelievable how scary these things are. So we get in this, uh, this truck thing that had three benches, you know. And so I'm sitting next to, you know, my new wife and feeling like I'm real protective and all that business. And we're driving in the dark and we got a big spot. I got some of this on video and you hear my voice quiver. You know, we're, we're looking at a hyena and all of a sudden we hear, Whoa! And I'm like, whoa, there's a lion out here. Right? And, and the drivers are like, oh, I know where he is. And I'm like, really? He said, yeah, there's two. There's brothers, and they talk to each other, and they're going to kill tonight. I'm like, wow, okay. And so they're like, let's go. And I'm like, okay. And so there's me and my wife, and there's two uh, guys who are on the mission trip behind us in the bench and two more in the back bench. And it's open. And we're, we're about this high off the ground. I mean, it's nothing. And so we're driving over. We drive over to the river. They spot the lion, this big lion. They spot him with the spotlight. You know what they do? We're in a diesel, a big kind of Toyota truck that's, you know, housed, sort of made to do this with tourists. You know what they do? They drive over to the lion. They kill the engine, push the clutch in, and we roll up to the lion. I got it on film. I thought I was real brave. I said, honey, honey, uh, you sit on this side. I'll, I'll stand between you and the lion. <laughs> but I was quivering in my boots. Right? And I got my wife like this. You could hear in the video, you would hear me going, oh, man. Like I'm just shaking. And when we stopped rolling, we were as far as like Jim and Ray and John here. That's how far away we were. And I thought, man, that thing, one bound and we're done. Honk over. Well, the lion watches. We get this on video. Eventually, the lion stands up because he's annoyed with us. And he walks away. What does our guy do? Waits till he lies down. Drives over again. As if we haven't tempted fate once. You know, he drives over again. Turns it off. Rolls up to it. Oh, man. They're huge. Scary. Livingston would stare him down. Isn't that wild? Jesus says, go. Go into all the world. Preach the gospel. Lo, I am with you. Lo, I am with you even unto the ends of the earth. David Livingston was known for his prayer. My Jesus, my King, my everything. Lo, I am with you always, even unto the ends of the world. See, Livingston knew no matter where he went, Jesus would direct no more than that. Jesus was present no more than that. Jesus gave David Livingston all he needed to do, all that he called him to do. He'll never leave us nor forsake us. Jesus is more than enough. He will take our frail lack of courage and give us courage. He will take our broken speech and give us speech. Jesus is more than enough. He will. 
He will change us and transform us and make us who we need to be to accomplish the mission he's calling us to do. When we come to terms with our brokenness, in our weakness he's made strong. My Jesus, my King, my everything. Lo, I am with you always, even unto the ends of the world. David Livingston as his life was coming to an end, as he suffered with all kinds of physical ailments at the end, he pressed on from village to village to village with his two helpers. Finally, when he returned home, he asked his helpers to help him to his knees so he could pray before he drifts off to sleep. As he kneeled at the side of his bed, his Bible was open and prayed His two helpers noticed that he hadn't moved in quite some time. Eventually, they went in to stir him, and he had passed away. And they say that his Bible was open to Matthew 28. Lo, I am with you, even to the ends of the earth. He was so respected by those who helped him. There, they embalmed his body and took his heart and buried it at the tree, the foot of a tree. And even today you can go to that tree and see where Livingston's heart was buried because they said his heart belonged in Africa. Then they, they did the long journey of taking his embalmed body to the shore. They lugged him thousands of kilometers. And he was shipped up north. And now you can go into the Westminster Abbey in England and find his stone, David Livingston, explorer, physician, Missionary, lo, I am with you, even unto the ends of the earth. Friends, Jesus is calling us. He's calling us to go and to reach the lost. It's imperative. It is imperative that we do what he says. It's imperative that we teach. That we teach them to obey all the commandments. To be baptized in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. It's imperative to rest in the presence and sufficiency of Christ as we complete the mission He's calling us to. As Bruce Grove Alliance Church, we seek to thrive spiritually. We want to know Jesus. As Bruce Grove Alliance Church, we're called to community, to carry the burden together, to encourage each other to point to Christ, to look to Christ, to, to live with Christ. To be in community. At Spruce Grove Alliance Church, we're called called to reach the lost with the gospel of Jesus Christ. Let's stand together, please. Where are you this morning? Have you ever bent your knee to the Lordship of Jesus Christ? Have you ever accepted the free gift of salvation that he offers have you admitted that you've sinned that you that you've lived life on your own independent of christ today jesus bids you to come to him to receive his free gift of salvation to follow his teachings to join the mission if you've never called on his name today today's the day Friends, where are you today? 
Have you accepted Christ but not walked through the waters of baptism? Well, Jesus bids you to walk through the waters of baptism. He does. It's so simple yet so difficult. Jesus says, come, be baptized in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. If you've never walked through the waters of baptism, determine today that you'll obey. Friends, who's Jesus calling you to reach? Where is he asking you to go? Is it to your neighbor, your co-worker? Is it to Spruce Grove, Stony Plain? Where is Jesus asking you to go? Is it to Africa, South America? What continent? Make no mistake, if you're a disciple of Jesus Christ, he commands you to go and preach the gospel. Make disciples. Quietness of this moment. Let the Lord Jesus speak to your heart. By his grace, by his finished work on the cross, through the empowering of the Spirit, he will enable. He will enable you. And so, Lord Jesus, you know our hearts. You know where we stand here this morning. You know our battles and our victories. You know where we've surrendered ground. Lord, thank you that you are for us and not against us. Thank you that you love us and that you died on the cross and that you are more than enough. And so, Lord Jesus, we run to you. We run to you and ask that you would save us. We run to you and ask that you would help us to be obedient to the call that you placed on our lives. We run to you and ask that you would help us to surrender all to you, Lord, that we would go, that you would use us. In Jesus' name, amen.